What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunk. My name is Scott, coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee. And boy, do I have a great episode for you guys tonight. Very excited about this one. Returning guest T. Snyder coming in to drop the hammer once again. Um, just really, really excited to shout out his work tonight, you guys. But real quick, I just want to show you, tell you how you can follow and support the show. Um, head over to Rebunk.News. That's the main landing page. It basically is just uh, links to everything related to the show. Social medias um, at Rebunk News pretty much everywhere. Um, the video platforms, and then make sure you're subscribed on your audio podcast player so you can listen on the go, five-star reviews, all that good stuff. Um, you see the affiliate links at the top, including Richard Grove's Autonomy, TRS Heavy Metal Detox. Uh, there's a Give, Send, Go if you just wanted to tip the show. And then, of course, the T-shirt shop. we got all kinds of awesome designs here for you guys. Um, censorship Kills. we got the uh, the Trump the Trump mugshot I got on the Trump mugshot bandwagon. Trump wanted for vaccine genocide, right? So nobody at the at your Christmas gathering is going to know how to process that shirt. I'm, I guarantee it's going to piss everybody off. So you know, show up in style. <laughs> uh, we got the I love this one. When you comply, you die. That's it. Simple as that. So whatever they're throwing at us next, just don't comply, and you'll be fine, you guys. All the people that comply are the ones who end up having really bad outcomes. So just don't comply. It's really that easy. You know what I mean? So there's lots of designs in the t-shirt shop. We have the hoodies, 30 bucks for a hoodie. Like you can't get a $30 hoodie anywhere in the universe. And not only that, but you can get an awesome like design. Oh, we got the classic Gadsden flag. Beavis, are you threatening me? Hoodie for 30 bucks? Come on. It's a no-brainer. Perfect gift. All that good stuff. And then we got stickers and women's sizes too. So hats, the whole deal. So you can find the link to that at rebunk.news or go to rebunk.news forward slash shirts. Um, of course, the Substack is the best way to stay up to date with the show. So it says rebunk.substack.com. You can subscribe for free. That way you stay up to date with any, uh, you know, when I'm about to go live or any announcements with the show. Um, there is an option to do a $5 a month recurring subscription if you want to support the show. But otherwise, it's completely free and it's a good way to stay up to date with the show. So, all right, guys. So without further ado... I'm very excited to bring in uh, my friend T. Snyder, who's just an unbelievable filmmaker, writer, the, the most prolific editor I've ever seen in my life, storyteller. Like he's just, uh, he's doing a lot of amazing stuff in the world. So, Mr. T., welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. So, uh, your accomplishment, I'd like to call it, I guess, uh, Conspiracy Synergy. It just keeps getting better and better. So for anybody that's watching, listening, that may not be familiar with Conspiracy Synergy, give us a quick rundown. What was the motivation for this? Okay, well, the motivation is that uh, people don't understand reality. And I've been <laughs> trying to talk to them about the reality of conspiracy, not theory, real conspiracy, for a couple of decades now my personal kind of awakening point in that realm was the film zeitgeist and mm. venturing further into 9-11 truth and uh that was made all the more difficult by the fact that generally speaking people just didn't want to talk about it they didn't want to hear about it and they would always have really difficult questions for me anytime i'd bring it up and so i wouldn't know the answer to those things and i'd go home and i'd watch a documentary or i'd read a book to understand better and Fast forward a couple of decades worth of doing that and you've read a lot of books and you've watched a lot of documentaries and you've listened to so many podcasts and you know a lot, 
But at that point, it's really difficult to get other people to understand all of that because you just end up talking at them mm -hmm. over and over again. And they kind of tune out because they aren't really able to process that or be on the receiving end of it. So I wanted to create a show that could be a quick encapsulative overview, a sort of red pill, as it were, for the entire conspiratorial movement and to make it fun and engaging and emotionally welcoming so that it's something that wouldn't just be there for the echo chamber choir that we're all talking about this stuff to. It would be something that we could use as a welcoming outreach tool for our friends and family. So that's what the show is. It's Conspiracy Synergy. It's all of us coming together. It's an introduction to all kinds of wonderful alternative media people. And it gives people the real like groundwork bedrock. This is the real deal references, some of the best of the best. And it's important to understand because this isn't going to go away. It's actually going to keep getting worse. So that's a perfect opportunity to do inform yourself and to pass this along to your friends and family so they can be informed too. <clears throat> yeah, man. And so it's conspiracy synergy.com guys. Make sure you go check it out. There's an episode or there's a link in the description. I would suggest just starting episode one, diving in and going through. Um, currently, T's just finished episodes eight, part one and two. And I just can't even tell you, man. Like, 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 do you feel like your skills as an as an artist, as an editor are increasing with each consecutive vi uh, video? Like, do you feel like you're just leveling up each time? Or what do you what are your thoughts on that? Kind of. It's more that I'm realized that I have to spend so much more time on the aesthetic side of it than yeah. just the information presentation side. And that isn't necessarily my skills so much as it is just having to take the time to do it. Yeah. And that's that's the reality. Like if you ever see the kind of that meme where it's like a professional artist draws a Spider-Man in like 10 seconds and it looks kind of like Spider-Man, it's crap versus the one that takes a few hours and it's well shaded and all that kind of stuff. That's the reality when it gets into really high level video editing and uh, it's called rotoscoping, which is when you draw over each individual frame and things like that. Mm. So if you do the really top tier stuff, it takes so long. And if you're also doing all the research and all this other stuff and trying to kind of synthesize and amalgamate huge depths of information so that it's it's something that's digestible and accessible for the layman and still engaging for the people who've been doing this for decades, that's that's a tall order. So it's one of those things where, yes, I'm leveling up, but also I'm having to slow down to just be very precise about it. Interesting. So rotoscoping, I'm not familiar with this because I do editing, you know what I mean? Like just as a day in, day out sort of operational thing with a lot of the projects I'm involved in. But you know, your, your work, your work fascinates me because I understand, because I understand these tools like Adobe Premiere is what I use a lot. I understand how these tools work and what it takes to, to, to do just some of the basic stuff, like just to do a basic, like some transitions or like mo motion graphics, like that takes a lot of work. And like what you're doing is just so next level. I can't even wrap my mind around it. I try to like, look at it from the lens. Sometimes I get distracted from the the content you're talking about because i'm so captivated like how did he do that <laughs> with the editing so i'm curious just you know for me personally like what is rotoscoping like i, I don't i don't know what that is or, so or what, like, what it, tools do you use uh yeah so i use uh premiere as well um, okay just think of it Damn. as uh certain as inserting keyframes for either okay. every frame or as you go along because like when i'm using the puppets or when yeah. i have pngs a lot of what editing is is it's sort of like you're guiding the eye so that mm -hmm. it becomes sort of like ballet movements from one frame to the next. And then if you get really high level about it, you're going to be changing where a frame ends off so that it'll be more in alignment with where the next picks up. So okay. that makes it so that it's an easier transition in the mind of the recipient so that they aren't feeling all like jostled. 
and and so yeah it's just the fine tuning of the ballet movements of the eye as it watches the product oh my gosh i never even thought of it that way because now that i think about it it is very true like like that the action kind of flows one into yeah. the next like this ever evolved it's like a lava lamp of of activity yeah. that just kind of flows like yeah. you know in an, and yeah that's amazing dude like you've, you're, no, that's you've a really good analogy it. actually yeah no that's perfect that's that's the perfect analogy a lava lamp you want it to yeah. feel like that and if it's just yeah. if it's just like glitchy you're gonna be like this mm -hmm. sucks but if you can just kind of watch and you're just like, you get sucked in. So yeah, that's yeah. It's amazing. Well, I want, I do want to take a moment to, to kind of just show the people just kind of, we just got to put this in front of the people. Sometimes it's like that. Uh, what is it? I don't even know where there's that movie where it was like, you know, the, the classic meme where the people are just like prying, there's a guy standing behind the lady, just like prying her eyeballs open. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen clockwork that one? Orange or uh, well, no, there's that... well, okay. There's the clockwork orange. How about that? Everyone knows the clockwork orange. So we sometimes you just need a clockwork orange people a little yeah. bit. So so I did want to just kind of just put this in front of people right now and uh, just really encourage everybody to go take a moment out of their day or, you know, it's really, I mean, plus these are like 30 minute episodes, you know, 30, you know, ish minute episodes. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a worthy investment and, and it is so shareable. And that's just what I love about it too, is that the, this information is packaged in such a way that it's like, you know, this is a lot of times like the darkest stuff that we, we, we talk about and it can be very demoralizing and blackpilling, but when, when you present it in the way that you do and just kind of your your narrative style is so funny and and between that and the graphics man like you just nail it so it's just cool so well let's take a moment and watch it we'll come back and reflect sure. so let's see let's do this bam hello interwebs and welcome to the eighth episode of conspiracy synergy I'm your host, T. Snyder, and as always, thank you for tuning in and for taking the time to delve into relevant controversy and real-world conspiracy. Not theory. There is no conspiracy theory going on in this show. There is instead a vast expanse of forensic historical research, all kinds of whistleblowers and documents throughout time, that collectively stack up to comprise the situation that we're able to put in front of our eyes. We can look at this and read it and understand it for ourselves. And when we do that, we're able to accomplish something truly incredible. We're able to change our freaking minds. And when that happens, we act very differently in external reality that's how this works by we're able to and then oh yeah so that's what we're trying to help encourage other people to do too because then you can enlighten the world you can brighten each other's day and seeing that kind of peace on this earth manifest well not only is it possible the more that we work towards it, it increasingly becomes inevitable. So on today's episode of Conspiracy Synergy, we're going to be helping everybody realize real revolution in the core of their being by going through a step-by-step -step sequence of illustrations within a puppet-filled video game called The Plan to Save the World. Okay, so uh, this this is like the character select screen. You're um you're kind of just stuck being the person you are in real life already. 
sorry, you know, blame your parents for that one, not me. But um, ultimately, the thing to remember about playing life successfully is that it's more about how you equip ideas and loot. Our ideas are like enchanted gems giving us powers or plaguing us with fears. The gear you wear or the stuff you carry does the same thing. It can either help you or slow you down and potentially keep you from accomplishing anything at all. So you got to be careful the things that you equip, you know, and the same thing with what you're carrying around. You got to be careful how you use that in order to be able to get to other places. So here we go. We're going out into the world as a like magical puppet creature thing. Here we are. Yeah. Cool. All right. Where are we going? What are we doing? All right. So we want to get the townsfolk to revolution. But there are like a variety of different kind of like mini games and things that we got to go through in order to be able to accomplish that step. So we got to get ourselves out of Plato's cave. And then from there, after that, it's like this is the full world map. Then we got to go and make new friends. Then after we make new friends, we got to help start a revolution with them. And then we're going to improve all of our communities. And by improving community, we're going to create new currencies. And by creating new currencies, we're going to change the current of history so that we're able to save the world together by revolutionizing our culture. So that's the map of everything that we're going to be doing today. And that's, that's the trajectory that we're going to take to save the world. Hold on, I'm muted there. And that's the trajectory we're going to take to save the world. So, bravo. Bravo, my friend. <laughs> it's just like, it's hilarious, man. So, <clears throat> on so many levels, like the use of the puppets, particularly the white rabbit, you know, it's like, uh, like what, what inspired you to use the white rabbit? Like, what's the white rabbit symbolism all over the place? Yeah, sure. So, that's red pill rabbit. And it's kind of like a melding between the Alice in Wonderland white rabbit and then the red pill from the Matrix. So, it's just mm -hmm. a conjoinment of those two nostalgic kind of flickers in our mind. And you can also like go to the dark side of how there's kind of the inversion principle. And if you look at the molecular structure of adrenochrome, it looks like a rabbit. So really? as you get deeper into the symbolism of all these kinds of things, there's kind of that juxtapositive reflection, both of the tragedy and hope of it. Okay. This is amazing. Hold on. Let me see if there's like a, no, I'll, I'll worry about that later. Well, wow, if, that's if, a nice for people tidbit. who want a citation for something yeah. that's a little bit more legitimate for that, uh, Dr. Shiva, uh, uh -huh. who's, who's running for president, he has a, a uh, program that he created called Cytosolve, I believe it is. And he uh -huh. ran the molecular compound through that and it holds up. So it's one of those things where the more you <laughs> dig into this stuff, it gets really weird and dark. And that's Whoa. why I play with it in such a light and uh, encouraging way is because a lot of the people who haven't really looked into this stuff, they, they can get pretty struck by it. Yeah. yeah, look, it's a little red rabbit with like red ears. Yeah. That's, hilarious. That's hilarious. Okay, cool. Damn. Okay, awesome. So the plan to save the world, man. I mean, you're doing your part. You're getting the word out. I, I love how you zeroed in on the idea of community, right? You know, that's that's such a huge part of this thing, you know, because like we can't, no revolution happens by like one person, even though like, you know, movies traditionally maybe show like one person writing in to save the day or whatever. Right. But that's just not how it works in the real world. Like this is all a collective effort and it starts with changing people's minds. And I love the idea of just going out and meeting your freedom friends. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like, if nothing else, like this last few years have really 
forced a lot of us to go out and find our freedom family. You know what I mean? And so, so what does that look like for you? Like, and I know you've done a lot of community outreach. Maybe talk to us a little bit about that. Like some of the outreach stuff that you've done over the years and then like uh, where you're at with it today in terms of like meeting your freedom family. Well, for most part, that's been online because where I yeah. live, I'm in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I do not like it here. It is. Yeah. I would not recommend uh, hanging out here, coming to visit, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, so I've done a lot of personal outreach. I've gone door to door wearing a, a rabbit costume, putting flyers yeah. in people's houses. I've sat out front of the legislator next to like a six foot uh, medical dictatorship information sign with a bunch of bullet points on it. Sometimes in the rabbit costume on a red beanbag chair, handing out. Um, like promotional materials every Saturday for four or five hours for over two years. Uh, so I've done a lot of outreach and talking to people and engaging with them. And I literally cannot meet another human being without talking about this stuff all the time. Cause yeah. Oh yeah, it's literally a democide genocide against our friends and family and it's not going to go away. It's going to get worse. So it's one of those things mm -hmm. where we're morally obligated to step up and not only do what we need to do, but calibrate ourselves to the reality of whatever that is. Because sometimes you can go out there and be very invested in the idea of I'm going to go wake people up, but that's not something you can necessarily force. And it's not something you should coerce, or it's not something that you should do in any way other than where that individual is at. And that's the most difficult and troubling thing, because as we all went through this kind of COVID thing, we were watching people just walk head, like head into a wood chipper thinking that they were returning to like a springtime stroll or something. Yeah. And it's like, you guys are getting it wrong. You're not doing the thing that makes you healthier in the long term. You're making a tragic error. And that was devastating for all of us. So I lost huge numbers of friends and mm. uh, I'm, I've had falling outs with a lot of my family. And that's kind of just the story for all of us. And now we're at this strange place where increasingly it's coming to reveal that, oh yeah, this was a terrible idea and it was detrimental for huge numbers of people. And it's getting worse all the time, cancer rates. And we know all of this stuff, but getting other people who understood that they made this mistake to do something more than simply remove themselves from participating in the next booster and actually leveling up to, oh, hey, no, we need accountability. We need transparency. We need these various different institutions that have been, uh, enacted or subverted by the deep state to literally be dissolved and held accountable for the various different egregious violations of medical ethics and human rights that have taken place. And anything short of that will only facilitate the ongoing genocide. And mm. that's the reality. It's not fun. It's not like I want to go to a party and just chat about this shit, but that's yeah. the fucking reality. So yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where my outreach is ongoing as is all of ours and it's really difficult to calibrate your emotional state to other people who continue to walk head on into that kind of thing not understanding all that we've been through and all that still remains ahead yeah man it's so true and that's why you know I'm, i feel so strongly about even just like the covid vaccine situation like that's still my beat you know i still try to like report and cover that as much as possible even though a lot of people are like I mean, they're over COVID, like it's a thing of the past, but it's like, dude, people are still dying. It's still a huge thing. And like, there needs to be accountability. Like I will not rest until there's accountability. Like, I feel like the more, the more that we get that information in particular, it's like, I feel like so much of the truthers that I looked up to and look up to, you know, kind of came about in the like 9-11 era. You know, a lot of people, like they started reporting 
following 9-11 and just over the last, you know, couple decades, that's been their beat or, you know, and then things stemming out from there. Like that's informed a lot of their work. You know, I feel like for me, I'm definitely one of the COVID era truthers. You know, that was what really like forced me into action. And so like that's going to kind of inform so much going forward. And there will always be that demand for accountability around the COVID situation. You know, I will not rest. And so the more we just keep hammering this information out there, it's going to shine light on the fact that we can't let them get away with this. Like why they're getting away with it. Do you feel like they're getting away with it? Do you think they're going to get away with it? No. So I, I think that this, the way that it, um, it depends on the definition of get away with. Sure. Uh, and so that's one of those like split hair semantic things where it would <laughs> sure. be a very long conversation in and of itself. I think that the way that this all ultimately plays out is in broad swaths of 50 to hundred to year plans. Uh, I mean, you can think of like PNAC, the project for the new American century yep. as a, a, an example of just that. And people often use that as the citation for entry into the war of terror, uh, you know, ostensibly labeled the war on terror. Yep. But the reality is, is that it's much, much longer drawn out kind of plans. And you can go to any major corporation will have the same basic infrastructure set into place. What does the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 years look like from the corporate vantage point? And the oligarchies, the old money that that became new money had their sort of like handing off from their previous vested interest to the front end operators who would then pull the strings of that in public view. So once you understand that there are different kind of like insulative layers that have been set up much akin to like kind of just armor that they wear so that mm -hmm. even if there's accountability, quote unquote, it won't really get past those front end players who were there to get burnt at the stake. An example of that is like Fauci or Gates, that kind of shit. Those are people who have been doing this for a long time, Fauci going back to the whole AIDS thing, and mm -hmm. they've been set up through the practice of those implementation to pad the degree to which they are the recipient of public outrage. That doesn't mean that that's accountability for the behind the scenes of the public stage. And so it's one of those things where the more in which you understand the intricacy of this malfiescence, the more in which you realize that the only true accountability that can really in a profound way come into being is the deeper understanding of every person on this earth. And once that happens, we actually change the world. And so that's mm -hmm. what the whole plan to save the world is. It's educating people about the reality so they're less inclined to beware and they're more inclined to be aware and once we do that we go out there and we change the world exactly so that's, that's my two cents on the notion of are they getting away with it in some yeah. senses yes but yeah. long term no because the truth catches up yeah it's a house of cards like you can't like fight with like fundamental basic axiomatic you know things related to nature itself. Like they're just going against nature itself in so many different ways. And it's not, it's not uh, sustainable in any way, shape or form. It's just, uh, and so, so therefore the truth will win, you know, it's, it takes a lot, it feels like it's taken a lot longer than it should. But uh, I've always thought that it was really funny. I talk about this, you know, sometimes on the show or it's like, you know, <clears throat> there's all these agencies, these government agencies or whatever that have been allegedly entrusted to keep us safe and healthy and all this stuff like that. That's, that's their, that's why they're there. Right. And in, in theory, you know, they're the ones that are supposed to be providing the education and all this stuff, but it's like, not only it's like the complete inverse and opposite of that at the same time. Right. And now, but it's up to us. We're the ones out there trying to like get the truth out. And for me, like I find myself, it's the idea of informed consent. Like when it comes to these medical procedures that have been forced on everybody. Right. It's like, those are, 
you know, th those are like the CDC, FDA, these guys who should be protecting people from things like that are the ones saying, no, it's safe and effective, lying and covering for the pharmaceutical industries, not providing any informed consent. And anybody who attempts to provide informed consent is shut down, like taking, have their license taken away, deplatformed, depersoned across the board. And so I feel so passionate about the fact that, like, I don't know how I, you know, I, I'm just a regular dude. I don't know. Someday, I, once, one day I picked up a microphone, started talking, and it's like, and now I see the value of like the one providing the informed consent. I'm the one that has to do it. If no one else is going to do it, then it's me that has to do it. It's T Snyder that has to do it. It's all of our friends in the alternative, you know, independent media that have to do it. And so it's so weird being in that position where we're just like we're just regular people who see that, you know, if, if these people aren't going to do the informed consent, then it's up to us to do it. Well, okay. So that's, that's a really great insight into what the human experience on our end is moving yeah. through like just these monolithic historic times in yeah. a state, a frayed state of disorientation, trying to find your bearings to do the right thing. Yeah. And you can think of uh, kind of like in an analogous way, the founding fathers, they're just regular people who had jobs. Yep. They're just citizens. And they're like, okay, here's the reality of the situation. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. We need to level up and we need to save the day. Now you can get into the, the split haired, once again, kind of uh, finesse of the deeper reality of some of what was actually going on back in, in that day and age. And like, you can look at, I don't remember if it's the declaration of independence or the constitution, but uh, you can see that prior to the point of the word citizen being written it actually said subject so that's mm. sort of like an example of the actual mindset being more emblematic of royalty than it was necessarily those who were uh completely liberating us from the shackles of government or authoritative decree and we're still very much in kind of the shadow of what was not completely accomplished back then they went far. They did some incredible and wonderful things. They were able to, you know, try and step out of the reins of the monarchy. But the reality is, is that it's been a slow kind of downward spiral ever since then. And now we're at the point where America is an empire that's just an imperialist monstrosity constantly at war, violating all of the principles upon which the very nation was founded. And that's one of those things where us as citizens looking at that, it's like, holy shit, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to overcome it? And then you stop and realize it's just as simple as telling the truth. It's mm -hmm. understanding what that really is. And then it's having the courage to go out there and do that over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's maddening, but that's once again, the reality of the situation. So yeah, the same way in which it's, that was the case in history. That's very much the case in the present. And we need to go even further than mm -hmm. we did in the past, which is getting people to come to a resolute, deep, internal and visceral understanding of the principles upon which America, uh, America was founded, not just the written paper of the Constitution or the hidden words that preceded the writing of the word citizen. We're trying to move away from all that kind of thing. We are trying to get people to understand that the very systems themselves that we exist in are immoral. And so you described it beautifully in the sense of, oh, well, there's all these regulatory uh, places. Mm -hmm. There's like the FDA, all these kinds of things. They exist ostensibly for these reasons. No, the reality is, is that they were all created to give us the veneer of mm -hmm. being cared for. It's deeper than that. Once you understand and go through all this, and it took me a really long time to go through all of it, it's actually built as a death cult. It's built to house people as if we're nothing other than cattle to be traded as chattel, much like 
we're slaves or serfs and then you hide it from us and that's called mental slavery it's when we don't even understand that that's actually the reality and that's that's just so mind-blowing for so many people that it takes a very long time to tiptoe up to that door and then you have to find the courage to open it and to explore and that's where the idea of community is so important because if you feel like you're alone in that situation you're not going to have what you need to be able to continue to move forward so mm -hmm. that kind of like ties together everything that you were saying because you're exactly right in every way. But at the same time, we're doing the right thing and that's how we're going to yeah. save it. Exactly. Well, and to save the day, like a lot of it has to do, like I want to encourage everybody to please go watch, you know, particularly episode eight, but you know, all the other episodes where, you know, he goes on to say that, you know, the, the community aspect of it, it's something I try to talk about on the show a lot. You know, this is, this is, um, this is how we are going to withstand whatever's coming, you know, in so many different ways, you know, you know, between skill building, learning skills, having people with skills within your community, but also um, the idea of, I actually heard, uh, it was funny, Owen Benjamin had this quote the other day that like, really stood out to me. He said, writing is for slaves. It's for like, like the slaves asking the master for more whatever, you know what I mean? So like rioting, getting out on the streets, fighting the establishment, like on that, like that feels like that's just fighting, like playing on their, on their terms and, and what they do best, you know, engaging in violence, you know, and that's, that's what they want. Like, I feel like that's what they want. They want us to engage with them with violence so that they can, you know, clamp down even further when, and when in fact the, the, the solution is the complete opposite in my opinion, which is just exiting a building. Like our friend John talks about, you know, it's just like, you know, like we don't, we can just be like, no, nah, I'm good. Like have fun with that. They're like, well, come on, don't you want to attack me? Like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna be over here with my friends playing music and growing food. They're like, but but you can't do that. Oh yeah, we, we will. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that's how to really defeat them is to, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Like the idea of like, you know, rioting is for slaves. What do you think about that? So are you saying writing or rioting? Rioting, rioting, rioting. Okay. Rioting, yeah, yeah. So so, protesting, so rioting. Yeah. Like, so there's, there's the, that brings to mind a few different uh, citations, Martin yeah. Luther King, the idea of, you know, if you make, uh, uh, I, I don't know if this is his quote specifically, but if you make a, a peaceful revolution impossible, mm -hmm. you make violent revolution inevitable. Uh, yeah. But then there's a quote in the second episode of my show, Fashion Sedition, I go into the exact notation that, that you're bringing forward, which is that they predictably programmed us to think of revolution as if it's synonymous with fighting, but that's not mm -hmm. it at all. Revolution is re-evolution. It's supposed to be aligning yourself with the force of love and exiting and building, exactly like you're talking about. That's completely right. And so that it's another quote that he says, which is like, Base, I can't remember exactly what the phrasing was, but it's in essence saying that riot, rioting is admitting defeat right away. It's like you cannot win that way. You're never going to accomplish anything. So it's almost basically just like you're throwing a hissy fit, destroying things because you don't have the ability to find the courage or the resources or whatever it is that you need in that time to be able to go out there and build things. And sometimes you can understand that because it's like a prison riot. It's like, what are you going to do? Build toilet paper inside of your cell to try and get free. So there are certain circumstances in which you can understand it's almost an inevitability. But yeah. as far as where we're at in the real world right now, it's not really helping anybody. Yeah, exactly. And so, and again, like I said, like, that's what they want. Like that's, if they want to take more of our rights, you know, that would be a great way to do it, to instigate it, you know, the false flag idea. And so I just want to tell you everybody, like coming into 2024, like it's going to be a real shit show. Like I'm, I'm actually just kind of looking forward to just sitting on the sidelines and watching what's going to happen over the next year, you know? And it's like, it's so weird to watch. They're like running the exact same playbook. Like they, they and I remember in December of 2019, 
I lived with this guy in Eugene, Oregon. He was like a he was like an old retired guy. I just rented a room from him, and he just like sat in his living room, literally watched CNN all day long, all day long. Like that was from the time he woke up to the time he went to bed, and uh, and so I would I would come home and I would like get glimpses and just like I would hear maybe what they were talking about if I was making some food in the kitchen, and I remember in like December twenty twenty. They were like, there's this crazy new flu that's in China. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to be anything. He was like, oh, no, it's going to be a big deal. It's coming. It's coming. And I'm like, no, dude, like it's totally it's going to be totally cool. I had no idea. But they're running that same damn script right now. Like the whole thing. Like it's like, oh, my God. Are you, have you seen this? Have you seen this whole nonsense? Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, it's, it's not going to stop. So, and that's really like yeah. in the same way in which you were talking about, like, and because I my once again, go back to activism related to 9-11 truth and yeah. uh, being at ground zero and distributing DVDs and leaflets and things to that effect, trying to get other people to wake up back then. Yeah. Uh, the significance of the paradigm that they have birthed with the lies of COVID and, and all, it goes a lot deeper than that is like the biosecurity kind of wet, like terror factory, much akin to how in nine 11, it was the war on terror. So you always had to be afraid of something. So they have to keep running the script because otherwise people forget about it. If they aren't out there like screaming, be afraid into the yeah. bullhorn, then we're just going to go out there and get along with each other. So yeah, once they enter a new paradigm, it's like set dressing. You have to, if they, they need fake snow, they have to go out there and make the mm -hmm. thing to make it look like the environment that they want us to participate in. And they're going to keep doing that until we catch wise to the game. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I'm, well, we're all wise to it. Like I'm, they're not going to get away with it on my watch, but uh, I think there's going to, a lot of people are like, it's like an election. You're, you guys, come on. It's the same exact thing. So I don't know, man. It's going to be very interesting to see. And so just remember everybody, like what, what we're walking into, like it's, it's, you don't have to engage. You don't, you don't have to accept any of their offers. They're going to make you plenty of offers, you know, go die in this war or take this experimental thing or chip or pill or whatever it is. Like they're going to make you offers. They're going to make you feel like you don't have a choice, but just remember you always, always, always have a choice. And that's one of the things that I, one of the major lessons I learned in COVID. It's like, you know, I lost a job over refusing the shots. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, it was really reinforced to me from a lot of the people that I follow and listen to. It's like, yeah, at the end of the day, you still have a choice. Like no one was being held down and a mask shoved on their face or a needle shoved in their arms. You know what I mean? But so people by and large, you know, you, at the end of the day, you had choices. There were consequences for those choices in the short term, but but it's always a choice. So just remember that everybody, everybody, anything that they come at us with over the next year or just whenever it's always a choice. Like, it's almost like the devil can't like hurt you, but he can convince you to hurt yourself or they can convince others to hurt you. But it's like, he can't actually hurt you. He can't actually hurt you. Yeah. That's you really, that's really profound. And you're, you're totally correct. And I agree. And a lot of, I've met people who don't want to frame it as if it was a choice because they don't want mm -hmm. to acknowledge that they made the wrong choice in the face yeah. of overwhelming odds and adversity and lies and all these kinds of things. Because people don't want to realize that they're up against a, a intergenerational criminal cartel of the, like the, the foremost psychopaths that use opportunists as the front end operators to go out there and abuse the public at large. Generally yeah. speaking, that's not some shit you just want to acknowledge is going on in your life, particularly no. if you haven't been privy <laughs> yeah. to seeing it before. But it also sort of sparks in my mind the solution to all of it. And it's when you understand how revolution actually works. And I'm not talking about mm -hmm. violent revolution. I'm talking yeah. about exit and building, kind of creating different systems and leading with love, that sort of thing. It's granular, which means that it happens on a very small level. And it tends to be indirect. 
So you can think of it this way. If you go out there and you're navigating the labyrinth of talking to other people, it's like, I'm going to go wake this person up. And you'll go and you'll put all the facts in front of them and you'll give them the whole spiel and all that kind of stuff over and over again. Generally speaking, they aren't going to be receptive to that. That's that's sort of just how it works. But that same person, if they heard that same information from a different source or they simply heard it over and over again, would actually wake up to it. Mm -hmm. So what this means is right now you can think, okay, well, I have these people who I've tried to tell or to bring the information to over and over again, and it hasn't necessarily worked. But what if someone they know or someone they know that they know got that information and was receptive to it? Then in an indirect way, it would find their way to them. Now, bear that in mind conjoined with this. Uh, we spoke with Meredith Miller on AM Wake Up at one time, and she mm. is a counselor who... Uh, treats people and speaks with people who have been through narcissistic abuse patterns. And so their relationships, much akin to what we've been going through on a national or international level with brutal narcissists who are just abusing all of us. On average, people go back to the abusive narcissistic relationship seven times. Mm. Now compare that with the old advertising adage of people need to see something advertised or suggested to them seven, seven or more times, times before they'll accept it. So that gives you about a 14 Whoa. different time spectrum of getting people to look at something, to actually invest in something without doubling back to do the wrong thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. It's granular. It's these tiny little movements that happen over and over again. It's indirect. You go out there. Maybe you can't reach a particular friend, but you will be able to find a way around the bend so that you can get that information to them at the end of the day. It's persistence and speaking the truth and making that choice. That's the thing that changes the future and makes it better for everyone. Yeah, man, for sure. So the repetition aspect, you know, I, I kind of look at it, um, in, in a, well, you know, that's, that's a hundred percent true, but you know, I've, I've a interesting perspective on this, you know, coming from a person who's, you know, in recovery, you know, from active addiction, you know, for many, many years and that sort of stuff. So I have a history of that. I've worked in the field of, you know, addiction recovery and stuff like that. And it's still a big part of my life. And, uh, you know, I always equivocate people that are just like ignorant to this stuff or like choosing not to see it. You know, the people that are choosing to stay asleep, it's almost like someone suffering from like active alcoholism, for example. Right. It's like they 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 are unwilling to have this information. Like if somebody provides them with information, hey, man, you're kind of destroying your life. You might want to think about something different Then all the walls go up and they're immediately going to lash out at that person and, and do everything they can to keep that person away because they're threatening their worldview. They're threatening their their way of life, like their addiction. Right. And, and there's so many overlaps I've talked about on the show a lot where it's like the overlaps between someone struggling with active addiction and some, you know, someone who is like intentionally choosing not to look at this information that's right in front of them. Right. Someone who's blue pilled, we'll just say normies, blue pills, like for example, right now, no, not pejoratively. I'm just saying yeah. that's, that's, you know, I, I see so many overlaps between that. And so when it comes to addiction, alcoholism, addiction, whatever it is, most of the time, the only thing like there's nothing you could say to an alcoholic to get them to want to quit drinking. You can't tell them a single thing, no matter what you can talk to your blue in the face intervention. It doesn't matter. There's nothing you can say to them. The only thing that's going to get through is a rock bottom, some sort of situation that brings about enough negative consequences to where the pain outweighs whatever fear they have of doing something different. Right. And so the change has to come from within, like the, the awakening has to come from within. We've all experienced that awakening, but it had to have come from within and something's going to click, you know, eventually. And so 
you know, when it comes to this, it's like, you know, eventually they're, they're going to hit some sort of rock bottom. Maybe it was like a family member or themselves got hurt with the vaccine. Like we've seen that so much, you know, and sadly it's a, it's a horrible, awful situation that happens to snaps people awake to what's going on. And so it's like, it's either a repetitious thing and it's like, Oh yeah, maybe so. Or it's like hitting rock bottom, you know? So I like, uh, as, sad, as sad as it is, you know, when it comes to addiction, one of the things we, we talk about is don't deny somebody their, their bottom. You don't want to enable somebody. You don't want to provide anybody the conditions to keep them in that lifestyle. You want to allow them room to hit rock bottom so that they can snap out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, no, I mean, generally speaking, unfortunately, that's been my experience as well. Insofar as observing just how bad it can get. And I don't want to say how bad it needs to get, but unfortunately, yeah. it seems to be that way the vast majority of the time. There's a book, I don't remember what the title is. It's on my shelf. I can't read it from here, but it goes into the history of addiction in America. And it was talking about how a group called the Washingtonians preceded the emergence of AA. And it was a very successful um, rehabilitation group, but typically it would only last for about three weeks of people trying to get sober from alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because, yeah, it gave them this kind of communal feeling that they were able to pull themselves out of the dredges, but it didn't give them purpose. So it's one of those yeah. things where, yes, rock bottom can be one of those things that kind of like jolts us to a greater state of awareness. But if you want to keep that going, you're going to need purpose. Yep. And so, yeah, it is everything that you described. But that's why the plan to save the world isn't just, hey, you save it and then you stop there. It's you keep yeah. building. And it's about making people more aware until eventually the very existence of the predatory psychopathic institutions that currently rule over us are so laughable and absurd that we refuse to tolerate them anymore moving forward. And that's when you start to get into the, the metaphysical underpinnings of how morality is actually inherent to nature. You can't just have two people on opposite sides of an invisible line and one of them saying, oh, hey, it's okay to murder people over here. Doesn't work that way. But that's basically what government is. It's saying that our subjective decree is the determinant of morality, which is just insane. So as people move forward, eventually you come to a point where you say, wait, actually, yeah, morality is something that is just inherent to nature. And that mm -hmm. is the way that it works. And it is our responsibility to understand that and to live in accordance with it, not to play God and try and be the people who are the determinant of it. And that's a really difficult thing for us to do right now, because that would mean that we'd have to take a big old step back from the way in which we're currently doing things and say, holy crap, the entire thing is just like this gigantic death cult. And it uses all of these elaborate mental maneuvers to console us to sleep and then to encourage us to hurt ourselves or one another or to turn a blind eye or to become addicts or all these different things that make it so difficult to remove ourselves from the situation that we're in. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, so when you're, when you're, in the video, like right kind of where we cut it off, like it starts to really get good there, folks. And I know you start, you start talking about revolution parties and building non-shitty communities. Like I love the way you characterize a lot of this stuff. And I was kind of curious about your thoughts about this. I was talking to my friend, Corey Haig. He does uh, um, uh, uh, Liberty. Oh, gosh, dang it. Uh, oh, the, the newspaper. Why am I blanking on it? Anyway, I'll, Corey, I'll check that in just a minute. But anyway, so uh, he just does a lot of awesome work in the community. And Corey uh, Corey, no, Corey Haig, um, uh, Liberty, Liberty newspaper. Damn it. Why am I, somebody it's not the, the liberator. Help. 
No, no, no. Okay. I, I need to get you on it. You need to get uh, you guys on each other's radar because he's doing cool stuff. But uh, sure. basically, he we were talking because he's in a bit of like big into like you know he's like you know anarchist type you know uh off you know, building communities like off grid like all that stuff and he like walks the walk like hardcore man like like he's yeah. the real deal when it comes to that stuff and when it comes to like building communities i was really i'm curious about your thoughts on this too so you know it's really interesting how like you know i hate like that the two party the two side kind of divide you know that's obviously a con con control mechanism but it's so funny at the end of the day like the extremes on both sides like kind of have similar goals like they both like hate the government they both want to like uh have different like change and social change and all this stuff you know what i mean but they're just like coming at it from like slightly different perspectives but it's like so when it comes to building community do you feel like it's important for the members of that community to have a shared vision and a shared goal or can we come together and form these communities even though we may have different ways of perceiving the world or have different goals in the end Okay, so when it comes down to like uh, architectural design and the structural dynamics of how you go about conducting yourself within a confined space with other people, yeah, shared goals help. But yeah. the most important thing is actual an understanding of first principles. And that's, once again, you get to the idea of how morality actually works and what it actually is. And first principles coming before each of our individual disagreements so you need to understand that murder is immoral more than you need to agree mm -hmm. on the kind of fountain that you're going to install in like the the foyer or whatever so mm -hmm. yes those shared goals are important and they will help people in a collaborative and cooperative manner but the most important thing are first principles and then ideally you'd have both because that will be an even more hospitable and amicable environment and then systems of communal engagement that allow you to handle and grapple with disagreements responsibly because people are always going to disagree and that's going to be something that keeps happening and so it's it's all of that and and much more but I, I will throw this on as a caveat with the whole exit and build movement. We're at a very unique position in the human evolution because the technocratic control grid is going to come for you. Wherever you try and run to, that's a reality. So a lot of the people who are doing these kinds of things, talking that talk and walking that walk, that's extremely important. Keep doing it. Don't stop. But at the yeah. same time, we need to wake the world up because... Yeah those people are actively going to be weaponized against us more and more moving forward. And eventually you're just going to get your cops who are right now enforcement agents for the state replaced by RoboCop. And that's not going to be something you're going to be able to appeal to in any way. And that's the reality mm -hmm. that's unfolding before us. We need to wake people up. And that's oh, why absolutely. once again, my show is okay. Hey, you have the, the, the resources now here it is. Let's go. People You need to actually mobilize in the process of getting people awake. Yep, absolutely. Well, I did want to give a shout out. So it's uh, Liberty Uncensored Newspapers, what I was trying to recall by Corey yeah. Haig. He does it. He's like a like holding your hand type of newspaper and doing all kinds of other cool stuff. So anyway, shout out to him. So um, yeah, man, absolutely. Well, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler about uh, episode eight, but uh, you know, I was very grateful to be involved in a little teeny tiny piece of it. So you you actually went out and got a lot of uh, commentary from a, like all the, the all of our friends and colleagues and everybody's favorite podcasters and, and, and alternative media folks. Can you tell us a little bit about that angle of the project and what people can expect and what that was like for you? Yeah, sure thing. So the clip that Scott showed earlier is the first part of episode eight. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me a year and a half to do one hour's worth of media. And that's yeah. just because 
all of the research that I do, that's about half of my time. And then the editing is just laborious. One six segment, uh, six second segment took me seven to eight hours just to edit that. And so that can give you a sense of how complex it can get. But the, the whole idea of the culmination of the second part is about on a certain level, you realize that there needs to be a cultural change. And a cultural change is when you enter into the echelon of art. Of, of inspiring other people so that they're able to feel the change. And then after they feel the change, they change. And once they change, the way they behave change. And then that's what becomes the catalyst for all of us to go out there and be better than we were, to move forward from rock bottom, which you could argue is where either where we are or where we're headed. And so I wanted to get other people's thoughts and insights on how to save the world. So I asked uh, a lot of alternative media content creators, Scott being one of them, what are your thoughts on how can we save the world? How can we uh, save our culture from how we've all been deliberately pitted against one another? And there's a musical montage at the end of the second part of the eighth episode mm -hmm. that is everybody's thoughts and feelings together in a synergistic uh, kind of manner. Manner, which is true to the show conspiracy synergy but then there's also the two hour everyone's unedited submissions back to back which is also there and that's called the plan to save the world so you can watch conspiracy synergy which is the quick encapsulative emotional very fun and engaging overview or if you want to stop and just listen to everyone's thoughts and feelings and everyone has some really great and amazing stuff scott i loved your your enthusiasm and everything that you put forward and it's it's, it's a beautiful piece on its own so people can go and watch that two hour presentation from like 20 or more different alternative media talking yeah. about how to save the world and it's great advice and it really stands up everyone did a, a beautiful job of just giving their little piece and then it was just my job as an editor to assemble the puzzle that's amazing man so oh so then if so i don't see a link on your web on conspiracy synergy.com is it is it no, on so there it, it's on BitChute, odyssey okay and um Internet Archive, I, and then Rock. It's not on the Rockfin because they wouldn't let me upload it to that one. But it's on all of the other streaming services. So if you go to any of those, it's yeah. the one that was loaded right before the second part of the eighth episode. Totally, and it's the two-hour one. So yeah. for people, yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely, I see it on your all of your stream or on your uh, on your uh, video platforms. But yeah, man, I, I haven't had the chance to watch this yet. But that's gonna make for a couple of good hours while I'm on the job site this week. So there you go, man. That's awesome. Um, it's it's just so cool, man. It's so powerful that uh, we all get to do this together, man. Like it's so cool. Like I, I can't imagine doing any other anything. You know what I mean? And one of the things I wanted to shout out for you guys too is that like you know obviously Tease has put so much effort into this, you guys, and it's like important to support each other. You know what I mean? And and uh, I do notice that that Tease has some stuff on his website. In fact, check this out. I'm going to show you guys something. Let me go back. Oh. I'm sharing my screen. There we go. So if you guys go to conspiracysynergy.com, if you go down to the store, you know, Tease is an artist first and foremost. You know what I mean? And he's got all these awesome designs in his, sh his shop. And I think it's important that we support each other. So you've got the uh, the COVID. Let's talk about conspiracies. What is that? A beach towel, dude? Like, what the heck? And I want to show you guys. Look at this. Look at this. You guys see what? Oh, let me see if I can do this here. You guys see the shirt I'm wearing? Look at this. You see this? The anonymous Santa, baby. And you can get that right here. At uh, oh, 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 there it is right there. ConspiracySynergy.com, baby, right there. Anonymous Santa. Tell me about the Anonymous Santa, Tease. What's up with that? Yeah, so that's just a play on the um, Jack Fox mask from yeah. uh, the V for Vendetta, the Alan yeah. Moore thing, and then how that became the insignia for the group Anonymous. And then you can think of the term Anonymous Santa 
And so mm-hmm. this is literally just the Jack Fox mask as a Santa Guy Claus. Fox? Guy Fox? Or, yeah, Guy Fox. Guy Fox, yeah. Yeah, I think that's his name anyway. Uh, yeah. So. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a play on that. It's Anonymous Santa. And that's going to be the very last episode of my show, which I'm not going to get around to for like Ooh. five or more years at this point because yeah. of how long it take to make. But that's kind of just the reality is that the kind of picture that I've been painting is once again an encapsulative overview of the entire realm and world of conspiracy. So there's a lot of stuff I haven't gone into yet. A lot of the further out there stuff. I will get around to it. I will talk about it. But it's a kind of like trajectory of getting people to lift off. You have to start them with the small things, get them up to speed. And only after enough of that are they able to take flight. And so where we're at right now with the show, just finishing the second part of the eighth episode, uh, the next one I'm going to go into the occult. That's going to take me like a year to make. And okay. so, yeah. Well, if you guys want to support Tease and all of his endeavors, you know, please get some merch from him. Uh, do you, oh, yeah, there's a donate little kiosk there. You know, please, you guys, like, this is really, really important. We got to keep Tease producing and crunching this stuff out there, cranking this stuff out there. And just a good old P.O. box. I love that. Analog super chats, right? Analog donations. Like, that's that's the best thing right there. So, Man, so do you have do you have all your episodes mapped out already? Do you have like all of oh, yeah. your you, so you know exactly where you're going yeah. with this? No, no I, yeah. I work on them years in advance, and that's because <sighs> this isn't oh hey here's a cute little theoretical maybe potential. It's like no no no. What are the actual solutions? What's the actual reality? What's mm-hmm. a practical uh, manner of prescribing the situation accurately di- or, or diagnosing it accurately, and then prescribing the solution accordingly. And then it's all of like the decades worth of research that I've done, the various different people who have preceded me. The first episode, I go into 20 or more different content creators that I think are some amazing people to to follow in order to get your bearings uh, from the forefront. Like Corbett's number one, uh, Richard Grove from Tragedy and Hope's number two, Mark Passio's number three. And that just, those three in and of themselves are thousands upon thousands of hours of research. So I've been doing this for a really long time in association with other people. I'm just trying to be, in an artistic lens, the person who can simplify it and present it well enough that then everyone else who doesn't have that time because of where we're at right now because of history to be all like, okay, yeah, wow, I can see it. I get it. And then they can pick up and they're off and running already. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I have it planned, but it takes... This last episode took me nine months to edit and create. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly reading, constantly researching, trying to keep up with the daily happenings. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's just one of those things where the next episode, it's going to take me a, a freaking year to just to be able to make it. Sure. And yeah, so I definitely need the support. Buy merch, t-shirts, go out there. Yep. Uh, they great, <laughs> yeah, they make great conversation starters with people. If, totally. if you're just wearing stuff like that, it's a good way to, to meet people. Totally. I love those conversation starter shirts. That's what I try to do in my shirt shop too. Or it's like, people like I can't, I've, I do have some people that have written back to me saying like they wore my Fauci gave us all AIDS shirt, like at a hospital and just like people just freaked the fuck out. Like it's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah. um, right. Have you ever seen this movie? It's called the conspiracy 2012. I don't know, bro. You got to just put it at the top of your list. It's such a fucking good movie, dude. Like you're going to love it. If you haven't seen it, it's about the, the, the Tarsus club. No, not not ringing any bells. I think technically it's 2013. Like it's funny because I, like whenever I've looked it up, it's uh, the conspiracy 2013. You just you got to watch it, man. Like it's it's so well done. Like they did such a good job. Like whoever wrote the movie 
is fucking based, dude. Like they know all the Rockefeller stuff. They know everything, dude. They know everything. I think I might have seen the trailer at one point, but no, I haven't actually seen the film. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's one of my favorite movies, and I was just curious. I, I like because it's like, it's like this guy that like I don't want to give away too much. Just go okay. watch it. Just promise sure. me to watch it because it's you're gonna dig it. Gonna at dig some it. point, I will definitely check it out. I'm, <laughs> okay. I shy away from movies anymore just because of the world. Trust me. Trust me, I know, but this one they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it, dude. Like in terms of like all the stuff we talk about, you could tell is written by one of us. Like right. Just a hundred percent. And I don't I don't even know how they got away with it, honestly. Like it's just like, whoa, how did you guys even pull this off? So anyway, but yeah, highly recommend anybody out there watching. It's the conspiracy 2013. I think you have to get some weird little like weird streaming service to get it nowadays, but anyway, so highly worth it. But T we're going in, like I said, the craziest, probably like the most important election of our lifetimes, right? <laughs> That's what they say. Uh, what what advice do you have for people to kind of close us out here to keep their mental sanity and just keep their souls intact as we go into the craziest year of our lives? Man, I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not really sure if I'm in a position to be able to offer those answers because they're so infinitesimally unique to every different person with where sure. they're at, what they're going through, what they've been through and all that kind of thing. I guess it is one of those things where know the truth. Um, it's really important to inform yourself. It can be very uncomfortable, very painful. Uh, it's very important to keep reaching out to people. Even if they've, it's like, you can look at it from the Christian perspective, not that that's something I subscribe to personally, but I do still understand the profound wisdom that can come with it. And it's the whole uh, mantra of uh, turn the other cheek that can be to even out the scars because they keep slapping you away. Mm. You know, you try and approach other people with wisdom. And like Scott was saying before, if someone hasn't hit bottom, they aren't necessarily receptive to that kind of thing. They're going to have to keep taking it in the ass like a bottom rather than finding their way on top. So mm -hmm. if if wherever you're at, whatever you've been through, this has been a hellacious time for everyone. It's OK if you aren't necessarily feeling like the hero yet. But part of the hero's journey is healing from that in due time. So maybe you just need to hear something that you haven't heard before in a way that inspires you to find the courage to walk out your door and do something different to knock on a door and meet your neighbor and not to see them as your enemy wow. and in just being friendly maybe that will be enough to inspire somebody and then once you do that you've already changed the world so that's what i mean it's that granular approach of all of us taking that initiative and that's how we're going to get there. Yeah, I love that, man. It's so crazy. Like, I, I do some pretty bold things in life sometimes, you know what I mean? But just the idea of going and knocking on my neighbor's door, like, that is terrifying. <laughs> oh, no. Like, literally, if every single person listening to this just walked around their block, knocked on doors and said, hi, I'm your neighbor. Uh, I think that I'm, I'm not a billionaire. Are you a billionaire? Oh, you're not a billionaire either. Hey, imagine this. <laughs> Billionaires don't actually care about us. And you know that 95% of the news is owned by the same six corporations and they're all billionaires. So that means that we're being lied to. No matter what your beliefs are, you're being lied to. So I guess it's more important that we should come to a point of listening, even if it seems really terrifying, because I love you and I hope you're okay. I hope you have a nice day. Something as simple as that. And if we all did that, that would facilitate a whole lot of change. Yeah, dude, definitely. Right on. 
Well, Tease, thank you, man. Like, I just can't thank you enough for your hard work, your dedication, your vision, your perseverance, and just like your, just your attitude and everything that you bring to this, man. It's, it's, it's just like, you have such an awesome sense of humor and, uh, you know, I just am very grateful for the work that you do. You know, I know a lot of people are too. So please tell everybody how they can follow and, uh, any last uh, things you want to shout out and how they can support you. Yeah, for sure. So the three different places you can uh, kind of keep up with me. I'm an artist, so writer, director, producer, editor, actor, illustrator, and filmmaker. The my What I am doing right now and will be doing for the next few years is Conspiracy Synergy. That mm -hmm. takes a huge amount of ener energy, time, investment, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so much that people wouldn't even believe it if I told you about it. So just trust me, it's a lot. So you can go to tease.ca, T-E-A-C-E dot C-A that's my artist site and you can look at all of my past work there and uh, a lot of that i've made available for free so that you can donate to support me and i've already given it to you so that you can just go out there and check things out and there's all kinds of really cool stuff there um the one exception to that is my feature film which i put out in 2016 that's not available for free yet but if you work in a caregiving capacity you can email me and i'll just send you a link so that you can watch it and i've been doing that since Amazing. the film came out because it's a very controversial film that uh, allows us to talk about uh end of life care and how mm. it needs to change and it's just it, it needs to evolve and get better uh so tstatia is one place ConspiracySynergy.com. If you scroll up, it's the top one there. Uh, yep, that's the place where you can go to find uh, everything that I'm putting out right now, which once again, use as outreach tools for your friends and family to get them up to speed on the basics and to a point of full awareness about what we're facing off, not only now, but moving into the future. And then the last thing that you can do to, to touch base with me is I co-host the Wednesday segment of AM Wake Up. And Ooh. so if you're not familiar with AM Wake Up yet, it, it's the hat that Scott's wearing right now. Uh, it's co-hosted by Steve and Chris um, every other day. They're doing a great job. And it's T-Lab. Steve's in the chat right now. Shout out to Steve. Steve's in the chat right now. Okay, yeah. So Steve, Steve yeah. uh, Steve's doing a great job. Uh, he's a brilliant, scholarly, wonderful individual who it does just amazing work across the, the board. And it's one of those things where if you want a more lighthearted approach first thing in the morning to understanding the clusterfuck situation that we're all in, check out AM Wake Up. And I'm hanging out there on Wednesdays. Yeah. And that's awesome. It's great. So like I was telling you before the show, I'm on this job right now where we're doing this edition and me and this other guy are just like basically building the house from the ground up. And so we tune into AM wake up usually in the morning. And so it's so cool to hear you on a regular show. You know what I mean? Like your insights and then your perspective and just the way you articulate this stuff is just above and beyond. I think what most people are able to bring to the table. And so being able to have you on a platform regularly each week is like a huge benefit you know what i mean like it's a, that's it's that's hopefully it's good for you too like an outlet like a pressure relief valve so you can just kind of get this stuff out there on a weekly basis and not ruminate on it for wait for a year before you like unleash it uh, i guess so i mean i do the tour of like being on other people's podcasts sure, and sure, sure, sure. having me on so that happens uh i guess i yes it's good in a sense but at the same time i'm so deeply affected by all of this because it's yeah. brutal like you said it's so yeah. dark and so painful but a lot of the time i'm basically just like keeled over in my chair in despair just like barely hanging on because of holy shit do i hate this like global yeah. democide that is constantly unfolding and will continue to until we pull our heads out of our ass and go in a different direction so yep Amen. yes and no it's like damn this stuff sucks but yeah, yeah that's the reality. true 
Okay, cool, man. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate you uh, taking the arrows for us and just did, doing this, uh, doing this the way you do it, man. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Make sure you please, please, please go follow and support Tease. Keep him in the fight, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Peace. All right. Bam. Thank you, sir. Yeah, for sure, Scott. Thanks that was for awesome, having me on. Man. Yeah, dude, my pleasure. Um, so yeah, like I said, like I mean, I don't have to put that out like we were talking about, but I mean no, I mean you can. My deal is that uh how to go into this. Like, I think the entire Alex Jones thing is a deliberately created subversive entity to graft by association as many people as they can to as